So, hey, we're here with A Thousand Miles to Light podcast, radio broadcast, whatever have you, episode number two. We're here with some very special guests. We have Sean Riggs, Sam Mantha Pruitt, who are two, uh, oh, what do I call them, USA American athletes that have come out of quarantine, fresh out of quarantine into isolation. And uh, we're going to be chatting to them about lifetimes and quarantine. And we have a very, very special guest, Mr. Duncan Stone, who is the race director of A Thousand Mile to Light. So without further ado, Sam, welcome to Australia. Thank you. I mean, you haven't really been to Australia yet, even though you've been here two weeks. What's the last two weeks been like for you? The last two weeks have been very interesting. Uh, yeah, we've been in quarantine in the hotel by ourselves in singular rooms. Uh, originally, we thought we were going to be together as a team in a bubble, so that was a little bit of a surprise. But we were in our hotel rooms, um, isolated with no human contact for two weeks, so we couldn't leave the room and no one could enter the room for that period. So it was a pretty interesting time. And you were a little bit loopy before you arrived, mm-hmm. and then they then they isolate you at they, moments. They change your your diet. They change your regime. What's That's it like training true. in quarantine, and does that affect you adversely or inversely mm. for the run ahead? That's up to the individual and what they choose to do with it. That's my opinion. So I know our team um, is very strong mentally and physically. So we were good to go. We've all done very well, I think. But um, some of us have focused a little bit more and doubled down on our training or maybe triple down on our training. Um, but we're all training every day. And um, the fact that you change your routine and your eating habits and your sleeping habits and all that were a big adjustment, I think, for all of us, especially as athletes. We're pretty conditioned to have a regular diet, you know, specific needs around our diet and our sleep schedule and stuff like that. So that was a bit of a challenge for the first couple of days, but we worked it out pretty quickly. And yeah, I'd say um, for the most of it, we're all thriving, oddly enough, uh, based on the circumstances. And we're grateful to be here. So there's always a divide between mental and physical. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been probably more mental and more physical challenges combined than ever before. Correct. So based on your history in events, uh, in life, take me through that combination, mental, physical, what it was like then, how you prepare and what you're envisaging will happen moving ahead. So in reference to this event, the difference compared to like training for another event, prepping for another event. Yeah. So generally right before an event, the last couple weeks to three weeks for sure are pretty critical to your training for a lot of reasons, you know, you're peaking in your fitness. So you're really like nailing big workouts and putting up, you know, still relatively big numbers. And, you know, you're pushing the envelope a little bit physically and sometimes mentally too. So you don't want any extra stress in your life (laughs) or stressful situations like a trip to another country (laughs) or isolation or anything that changes your regimen or routine, you know, it can have a negative effect. But um, we all knew what we were getting into. And it, it was definitely worth the risk to be part of this opportunity. And I feel like we've all done our best, you know, considering all the circumstances. It sends a message, right? Absolutely. That we are totally resilient. And we're incredibly adaptable as human beings. And we're more adaptable than we even know. And we wouldn't know until we put ourselves in those circumstances and really test that. And this is very unique because this isn't an ultra, and it's not even an ultra race. This is an ultra relay. That's right. Mm-hmm. World first. 
Yes. Take, take me through that. That's right. No, it is. Um, I don't know of any race and none of um, our U.S. team or any of our U.S. friends have ever been anything like this, where it's not only a multi-day, it's a 10-day. So it's technically a 10-day stage race, but it's relay style. 10-day stage race. So it's sort of the combination of two really hideous things. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that's also why it's so intriguing. Uh, most of us aren't really fast runners. We're long-distance runners, for sure, and ultra runners. So we have a very steady pace, and we can go for a long time and put ourselves through a lot of suffering. Um, and this is going to be very different in the sense that we're a team. And so we have to operate as a team and have a strategy and really hold ourselves together as a unit because that's important to us. Um, and then we have to really change our pacing up by running a little bit faster than possibly what we're used to um, without burning too many matches and going up in flames. Talking about flames, <clears throat> Duncan. So Duncan, uh, Duncan's the race director, but he's more than the race director. He's basically like our version of God. I mean, the things that I've witnessed that Duncan has had to go through in the last, let alone the last few years. Um, is there a moment, Duncan, that you have ever regretted meeting Pat Farmer? <laughs> oh, look, I think every day you wake up and you regret meeting the cockroach. <laughs> um, not as much as I've regretted your bad humour, actually, over the last week, Gordo, to be honest. But uh, no, look, meeting Pat's been fantastic and it's... I think the reason we've named him the cockroach recently is he is the ultimate perseverance engine. He is a never give up guy. And I think, you know, Deirdre was just saying this afternoon, the amount of times she's heard Pat say, if no one else runs, I'll run the whole thousand miles myself. Don't worry about it. I'll get it done. And, uh, you know, that sort of perseverance, not only in terms of getting running the miles, but in terms of actually organising the run and, the pain that's happened due to COVID and the changes that have been made. And he just keeps going. He keeps dealing with it every day. And uh, now we're actually going to get the chance to get to the start line, <clears throat> which in this case might be more difficult than getting to the finish line almost. <laughs> so would you then say that really, I mean, sport is normally a metaphor for life. Would the challenges that Pat and I guess all the athletes have been through over the last three months, is that a metaphor for ultra running from what you've seen from, from the outside? Yeah, I think to a large extent it is. And, you know, that some of the conversations with the other runners about, oh, it's bad news, we won't be running out on the road now. We're running around, you know, a course inside a military barracks. And the general feeling is we don't care, we need to run. And it's about the mental side of it. And this run is also um, assisting teenage mental health as well. And there's a really key mental struggle to getting through a thousand miles in 10 days and keep going every day. And... There's a mental struggle in getting through two weeks of quarantine and a mental struggle in getting through a couple of years of hardship of dealing with COVID and losing your job and having family breakdowns and teenagers that have issues and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I think this is all about the mental struggle and the mental toughness that these guys have is, for me, what really helps get them to the end rather than just having great legs that keep going. And it's, it's a very unique location i mean you have a, a a military army background um and this is the this well forty four thousand acres of hurt really <laughs> this facility is where we build our infantry could you think of any more fitting location for this event 
I, th- I think it's absolutely perfect and it's, it's worked out really well. You know, they'll still have a, a different course every day, so they'll run in a different place. And as you say, you know, our toughest soldiers go there. I think we're actually staying ourselves in the special forces barracks that, that do their training and, you know, we know what great work the SAS have, have done over the years. So I think to have these tough al- athletes working and running in a place where the toughest soldiers in Australia are built is absolutely perfect. And we've left the toughest till last. Now, this gentleman, Sean Riggs, has pretty much run anywhere except the moon. He tried to get on SpaceX. They rejected him. So they sent him to Australia to run 1,000 miles to light. Sean, welcome. Thank welcome you. to Australia. Um, impressions? Impressions of Australia so far? Um, it, I've mostly seen the inside of one room for the last two weeks. Um, the view outside my window was nice. Um, you know, uh, and then we and then we went to the country. So so far, I don't have much of an impression. Uh, um, but it was a nice, lovely little cage they had us in. Have you, if you would have thought back to the beginning of your career, would you ever have thought that you would you'd be training for a world first ultra marathon relay in a hotel room on a treadmill? <laughs> that last part, especially, I think, really caught me by surprise. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. I am here with um, people that I've admired and and heroes of mine. And and uh, so, if you would have told me, you know, 15 years ago that I'd be running ultra marathons, period. Uh, first, I would have asked you what that was, uh, and then if it would have been explained to me, I would said that's not possible. Um, and then, if you were told I would be doing it. Um, those are just all just it's just completely bonkers um, and and then fast forward to you know a year and a half ago uh, when uh, there's no way I could have left work for more than a few days and yet here I am for five weeks at a time to come run this race all because COVID turned everything upside down so there's some silver linings to all this so we have to do some some unpleasant things like be in a room for without uh, opening windows for a couple of weeks but that's uh, that's uh, not nearly the hardship that a lot of other people have to deal with. So very I true. feel very grateful to be able to come here and do this. Very true. And you bring up a really interesting point because not a lot of people outside ultra running actually know what ultra running is. Uh, and, and that's where you were. Explain to uh, the, the, the average listener, what is ultra running? Yeah, I guess the, 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 the short explanation is anything longer than a, than a regular marathon is an ultra marathon. Um, the most common distances are 50K, 100K, 100 miles, and then there's things like 24-hour. Um, I think a lot of the people on, on, our, on both the, uh, the USA and the Australian team also specialize in multi-day events, uh, things that just go forever and ever and ever, um, all the way up to crossing entire continents. So um, I think most of the people on both teams have crossed at least one continent and some more than one. And I think Pat's done pretty much all of them. <laughs> what, what inspires a human to wake up one day and go, hmm, I think I might run across America? For me, uh, you work up to that. <laughs> I was uh, every day go a little bit farther and a little bit farther and a little bit farther. And pretty soon you're doing some really crazy stuff. And um, so I, when people ask me, and I always say, you know, it just takes practice. It's no, it's there's nothing nothing special about me or or anything. I'm not a, a special athlete at, at all. It just just takes practice going out and doing it every day and every um, specifically wanting to run across America. 
um, was because COVID turned everything upside down. Um, my business was very much events related. Uh, then suddenly there wasn't any more events. And so I had some time on my hands uh, and uh, wanted to run across America and do it for, um, for, for to help support food insecurity, which is a you know, in addition to mental health and, and physical health, I think are the, the big things that we need to try to focus people's attention on right now. So we have running heroes uh, that have put together an extraordinary race. I think we've got over 2,000 people joined up so far, and they'll be running virtually. So based on what you're saying, there could be an ultra runner that could one day run in this race because they've started on a virtual race. I mean, take me through that. Yeah, I think absolutely. And, you know, it, to, to run an ultra marathon, actually, you don't have to be in peak, peak shape to go and just do it. Uh, you know, so just if you want to try to, you know, match with us, come do this virtual run, just get up in the morning and, and run, walk, just keep going. Uh, we, if you need to sit down, sit down, you know, do it like Forrest Gump. You know, if you need to, you, when you're tired, you sit down, when you eat, when you, you, know, you need to eat, you know, when you need to, you know, get, you know, and you just keep doing that. And pretty soon you're going really far. <laughs> So Sam, when, when, when you look at the people that you're surrounded with from, from your team, the Australian team, the crew, everyone involved with this, what would be the singular message that you believe this would send to the wider community? Well, for myself, um, I'm definitely not somebody who should be here at this moment. You know, it's a little bit surprising even to me that I am yet still. Uh, so that would be my primary message would be that anything is possible and that I'm living proof of that. And Duncan, you've seen everything in life to this point, literally, um, from life experiences, the humans that are sitting here. What journey do you feel an average person that watches this is capable of? Yeah, I, I was listening to Sam tell me earlier today that she, she did a run and it was um, a 100-mile run and she said, look, I'm, I'm not going to do 100 miles, so I'll just go and do 70 and maybe I can do that. And she got to 70 and she said, eh, I'll do 10 more. And she did, got to 80 and thought, oh, I'll do a couple more and I'll have a rest. And she kept going. She got down to the last 10 and finished it off. And, you know, I think it's really perseverance. But I would also say after meeting these athletes, that uh, they're the most down-to-earth bunch of people you'll ever meet. And I think they vastly underestimate what their superhuman skill is. And it's, it's not that they're the best 5K runner or 10K runner. It's that day after day after day, they can run 100 kilometres. And that's really unusual. And it takes more than just physical strength. It's that mental strength as well. So... You know, I really think that uh, largely they really underestimate themselves and they're a lot more special than they think they are. And they sure deserve to be here and I can't wait to see what they get up to out on the track. Well, I think Marvel Comics have got it all wrong. I think the real superheroes are actually humans themselves. And I think everyone that's joined us today and that's here as part of the Thousand Mile to Light project, uh, I think they could become the real role models for not just adults but kids just by putting one foot in front of the other and having relentless forward motion. So thank you all. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast, radio cast, and what have you, episode number two, A Thousand Miles to Light, and we will see you on the trails. Thank you. Thanks, Gordo. Thank you.